You're listening to episode 119 of the 200 Churches Podcast. You then begin to think, okay, what can I do when Bill goes to make Mary the leader? What can I do in training her, developing her, upskilling her, getting her ready for the next deal? Maybe there's a couple of great books. Actually, I know a couple of great books on kids' work. I'm going to start putting those through to her. Whenever I find a blog post on kids' work, I'm going to email it to her and say, Hey, Mary, read this. This is great. I'm going to have Mary over to my house. We're going to have a barbecue with a few other leaders. And I'm going to kind of get her in the circle. And I'm just going to really? What am I going to do? I'm going to disciple her. I'm going to raise her up. I'm going to get her into that place. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a fresh episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now here are two guys who, like you, serve in the trenches of small church ministry, the canon and Nikon of ministry podcasts, Jeff and Johnny. Thanks for listening to the 200 Churches Podcast. I'm Johnny Craig, and as always, I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend. Jeff Katie. Jeff, how you doing today? Very good, Johnny. Very good. Feeling good? Hey, 20 pounds down from January, hey baby. Yo. Nothing a few good, serious illnesses won't do to take care of your weight. <laughs> I love it. I, lo- I told you today you should get a tapeworm. This is the first season of my life where I've ever lost a, you know, a significant amount of weight without even trying. It just happened. It happened because of you several got, weeks of illnesses. You got so sick you couldn't eat. Well, it's a good, it's a good starter. That's the secret. It's like a starter kit, you know, a starter virus. Well, you look good. A well, starter you. virus. Yeah. You look, re- you look real good, Jeff, and I, you sound good. I'm emaciated. I'm glad b- both of us are back <laughs> to knowing. Uh, both of us are back to having good voices. For the most part, I there, still want to cough. I think there's probably a couple episodes that will be released in the later weeks where I sound like uh, there's something dying inside of my throat. Or dead and trying to get out. <laughs> That's disgusting. That is disgusting. Hey, we've heard from some of our listeners through emails, through messages, through whatever. We want to thank our listeners. Thank you, listeners, for communicating with us. And y'all are funny because you send us these goofy messages sometimes, uh, and we laugh about it. But we have a good time, and it's it's very much, very much fun when we hear from you. So thank you. Yeah, your messages mean a lot. Your your uh, emails, the things you have to tell us, and you know, anytime that anytime that we hear this podcast has made a difference. Uh, I think both of us are amazed that somehow this podcast has made a difference, but also humbled. And so that does mean a lot, and we really appreciate it. Now, today, Jeff, we got a special treat for our Australian brethren and sisterin. Well, it could have been a better treat, but it's going to have to do. Oh, right, right. Well, it could have been better, but... I don't know. know. It felt... I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, well... I, you know, I thought it, it was probably this might be the best. Here's what I'll say: this might have been the best podcast in the history of the podcast. It could be. It's like the, it was during <laughs> weight loss season for me, right? Right. And right. It, it, we recorded with John Finkeldy one evening, and I was so sick, all I could do was let Johnny in the door and point him toward the 200 Churches Studio and say, Johnny. You're just going to have to entertain John because I can't even come up. Thank goodness John Finkeldy is a is a ministry genius. Triple A. And filled, the, filled our time and our conversation with so much good stuff that it made it, it, made it so easy. You know, here's the cool thing. 
at the time we're recording this right now, this intro for that episode, I have not listened to the episode yet. You get to listen like all of our listeners. Exactly. This Fresh. is exciting. I do, that's awesome. This but is exciting. I had a great conversation with John. We had three conversations. Uh, this is just one of them. And then in the coming months. And this one is about what? Transitions. Transitions in leadership. And so okay. John John left his church and transitioned his church through the process. He was the senior pastor. And as he left, they put somebody else in that position. And uh, so he speaks from his experience. But we talk a lot about uh, transitioning your volunteer leaders. Okay. And how those types of transitions work. Because we realize that most small church pastors don't get the opportunity to transition in the in the way that we probably would all want to, right? Um, but we always are having turnover in volunteers, always having turnover in our leadership structure. And this is really about how to walk through those transition periods well. Okay, so let's all listen. And I'm going to listen to the very first of our, I think this is first for 2015, with John Finkel. I think you're right. I think he was with us last, actually last calendar year. So here he is, John Finkeldy. John Finkeldy, it is so good to have you back here on the podcast. How you doing, man? I'm doing really well, Johnny. How's yourself? I I'm doing great, but we are without we are without our our well. I'm without my better half, is how I should say it. Maybe I, uh-huh. Jeff is not here. Jeff is. As sick as a dog, he's under the weather in the worst kind of way. And but this had to get done, man, because you're a busy man. And uh, (laughs) we, if if we get a chance to talk to you, we're going to take it. Yeah, well, uh, that's not good to hear about Jeff being not well. And uh, you guys are coming into your springtime, so um, it's not the time of the year to be sick, is it? You kind of should be up and about, springing about, and feeling good. But uh, you know, give him, give him my regards and love, and I'll certainly have him in my prayers. I will do that. You know, it's it's wild. You're you're so right, but I think maybe the weather back and forth is getting both of my kids are sick right now as well. Okay, so yeah. I don't know what's going in Australia. Nobody gets sick because the weather is always <laughs> amazing. So it's like, what is a cold? Uh, I don't, you would have to be cold to get one, right? Uh, well, we're just starting now fall. Uh, we call it autumn, but uh, yes, yeah, so it's kind of autumn rains have started here in Perth. And okay. So it's probably going to be a miserable um, Celsius talking, uh, 23 degrees today. So what's that, about 70 degrees? So it's not, <laughs> That's just miserable. It's really cool down now. <laughs> I'm so sorry for you. That sounds awful. Just uh, What time is it? What Right now it's 8.15. This is... Technology blows my mind. When I, I tell my wife I'm going to talk to John Finkeldy across the world, and it's nuts. Yep. What time is it? It's nine nine yeah nine fifteen um, Wednesday morning. So you're it. Tuesday night. So uh, yep, we're we're way apart, man. You're you're, way, you're warming it up for us though, which we appreciate. Yeah, no, Tuesday night was good here. So and Wednesday morning so far is good. So I think you can look forward to the next twenty four hours. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. <laughs> Well, John, we've got we've got some some stuff today to talk about. Today we're going to talk yeah. about you've got a blog, uh, growahealthychurch.com, some phenomenal mm. content over there. You offer uh, some courses that you do. I think you have a resources page and your wife yeah. writes books. Have you written a book? Yeah, I've written about five books. Oh my. Um, on various topics. I tend to write short books, so that's why I'm up to five. I'm a great <laughs> believer helps, in short right? books. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> no padding in our books. Uh, yeah, but uh, Diane's about to release her conversations with a pastor's wife. Very um, cool. That's very um, cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's brilliant. She's very excited about that. She finds writing very difficult to do. So I've had to lock her in her study and say, you're not coming out until you finish the book and just pass food under the door and come on, keep writing, keep writing. <laughs> Perfect. That's, you got to <laughs> keep her on task. Let's get yeah. published. So it's, um, we're pretty excited about that book coming out. That's Well, good for her. That's awesome. So growahealthychurch.com. This is, this is a blog mm-hmm. that you've got over there. Uh, yeah. And it's talking about succession, right? How to yeah. walk through a succession. Now, for pastors listening, if you're in a small church and you have the opportunity to go through a succession plan uh, as far as the pastoral role goes, hey, kudos to you. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Take some yeah. notes here. Like, what a great situation to be in where you can pass something off to somebody else and make yeah. that type of transition. But we always are going through successions of one kind or another. There's ministry leaders yeah. who are phasing out or, or moving away. And their responsibilities have to be picked up. So I think that even if we're not talking about the the senior pastor role, there's there's principles here uh, that are going to be helpful yep. for all our small church pastors. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Because the the truth is, is no one stays anywhere forever. Um, right. You know, that that people don't live in the same street forever. They don't stay in the same job forever. And pastors don't stay pastoring forever in the same church. And so, succession is is a, an essential and critical and mandatory part of life. And so pastors need to think about it, not only with their own succession in regards to their church pastoral role, but also into key leaders uh, in their church, knowing that people might sign up for a certain length of time, but ultimately uh, they're going to move on from that time. So I think it's important to think through issues of succession personally, but also then for various areas of your church. And, you know, I think that it, it creates a, a good environment for people to be in when succession is seen as a good thing. And it can yeah. reduce the fear that people have about m- moving or, or leaving or, or deciding that they don't want to do something anymore. Instead of just dropping it all at the same time, they know, hey, there's a culture where yeah. we want to walk these things out, you know, in a good way. Yeah. And I, I think that that whole issue of fear, um, you know, it's like uh, as a pastor, you can kind of get, you feel like you get all, all the ducks in a row. You've got all the right people in the right places. And then you're kind of afraid. Can no one move? Can everyone just stay in the same chair? Can no <laughs> right, one kind yeah. of get out of here? And so facing that that fear of of transition, succession of people moving on and just embracing transition and succession and people moving on as just a normal part of, of how life is in the 21st century. Both, both in, in look, in, no one lives in the same street for 10 years right. unless they're farming. They're, they're farming, they're there for generations. But people move all the time in, in our nations. And so I think if we look at the fact that, hey, people are going to be with me for a certain time, uh, they're going to get on the bus at a certain time, and some people are going to stay on the bus for one or two stops. Some people are going to ro- ride right through to the depot. I think if we embrace that framework and that philosophy, I think we lower our own anxiety and fear, and then we can start to trust the Lord that, okay, Lord, you're going to bring people into my church. They're going to fulfill certain roles for a certain time, and then you're going to move them out, and other people are going to come up behind them to take their place and, and do the role as well. So I think that framework of approach of I'm not going to be afraid of this thing. I'm actually going to embrace this thing as part of what ministry is about and part of what life is about, to be honest, Johnny. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that's such a healthy standpoint to take. And and your first, you know, you say here's five things we learned right about succession. Mm-hmm. Your first one yep. is start 
early. Now, you talk about two and a half years. We might not have yeah. that type of time. <laughs> but you're saying start as early as you possibly can. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, in, in writing on my blog about our succession process, uh, we went through about three or four years ago and handing our church over to next generation pastors. Well, one of the key elements I've found in, in any pastoral succession is starting early. But I, I think it's also true in a volunteer uh, area that if you have someone uh, in a role and, and your awareness is, you know what, um, I think this person is coming to the end of their season in this role, um, but you can see it as a pastor, but the person can't see it. Uh, I think you need to start early. And, and generally the thought I have is start sowing the seed of transition early into the person's heart and so they can embrace it um, as they move along that path of transition. I remember I had a leader uh, in our church who was running the music department and I could see the point where uh, she would no longer be in that role and I saw it before she saw it. And that makes it a very delicate situation. So (laughs) what I started to do was just seed to her, you know, one day you're going to finish in this role. And I would just throw it out there. And and occasionally I'd do it in a a teasing, joking sort of way. You know, you're not going to be here forever. I'm not going to be here forever. And she would laugh it off and say, no, no. And and I eventually said to her, you know what, I'm I'm probably going to see this before you see it. And she says, no, 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 I'll, I'll definitely know when the right time is. And I was seeing it already and she wasn't. Sure. So I found seeding that early into this leader's life that when it came to the time for me to say, you know what, I, I think the time is ready for you to hand over. Um, she was kind of like, yeah, look, I don't want to, but I know you're bright. And she did a journey and a process through that. So I think if you find that sort of scenario going on, um, start early, start seeding into the leader's life. Yeah, I think that's such great advice. And that, that story, I mean, that should be pretty powerful for our listeners. You know, yeah. the, the, a, a woman who was saying, yeah, I mean, I really I really don't want to. I like this, yeah. and you know, but you're right, and I know you're right. And I think, yeah. you know, as pastors, we would love for that to be able to happen. She was able to make the move, I think, because I, I basically reaped the harvest of early preparation of seeding into her heart it, it's at it, the time is coming and i and i think sometimes also in churches um you can kind of get stuck um with leaders in in key positions that you know their time is over they can be on a board um they can be running an department and you know they're tired they're exhausted they're weary they've run out of ideas um, but they almost can hang on through faithfulness or through stubbornness uh, or through ambition or some some other some other area that's just not quite right. And I think rather than just coming in and going, bang, you're finished, right. you need to leave now, I think you're better off starting to seed that into the person's life of, you know, I think we need to start thinking about maybe wondering tentative language that just throws a few seeds out. And you throw the seeds out and walk away. You're not trying to do the deal right there at the first conversation. You're just seeding um, that out there. Now, I, I think sometimes um, where, you know, it can happen to you that a person leaves before you're ready for them to leave. But if you're in, if you're in front of a situation that you know needs to change, then seeding can work really brilliantly. Yeah, that's great. Your, your second point uh, of your you know, five lessons is mm. engage a consultant. Now, again, yeah. What, yeah. If, that's a phenomenal idea for a staff, but what would be a yeah. what would be a you know volunt- what would be the equivalent right of a consultant yeah. on that volunteer Look, I, level? 
Yeah, I, I think if you've got someone that, that you have an awareness needs to move on, certainly talking to another wise person in your church who has good perspective on it because you, you might be thinking, oh, that person needs to transition out. Uh, someone else who's aware of you and the other person might say, no, I don't think it's their time. I, I think it's your attitude towards them. So bouncing that idea off someone can really help on that. I think also, and this is the key of um, pastoral friends, I think if you've got that point where suddenly, um, you know, maybe, maybe you've got the worst, you know, the, the mother of all hell each days arrives when your kids leader and your worship leader decide, they're transitioning out in the same month, you know, where you kind of go, <laughs> sure. hang on, hang on a minute. <laughs> you know, okay, this, this is Armageddon going on here. My, right, my, kids, right. my kids leader and my worship leader are going. They, they told me in a month they're out of town. They've, they've changed jobs or whatever, or they've had enough. They're finishing up. I think then you need to engage a good pastoral friend that you can go and talk to and who can also be praying for you and helping you process that whole transition because that is Armageddon for a pastor when you have key leaders in those roles that are that are central and pivotal to the church and they start moving out then you need someone to talk to someone to bounce it around someone to give you perspective someone to say okay uh, let's let's have a look at this um, have you got any two ICs who can come up is there anyone you can see stepping up into the situation now I think sometimes also within your own church again finding a wise confidant because you can have Armageddon like that roll up and you think, what on earth am I going to do? Sometimes you just need someone else in the church to say, you know what, I, I've noticed I've noticed Bill over there, he's, he's actually got some really great kind of connections with children. He's a teacher background, and I think if you ask him to step in and maybe just kind of take it for three months, I, I think he'd jump at the opportunity. And you go, really? Wow, I didn't know that. So I think if, you, if you're getting only your own counsel and your own thoughts, if Armageddon ever rolls up, and God forbid that it ever rolls up in your church, Pastor, because that's, that's not a good day when you lose key leaders and one no, big right. foul swoop like that. But I, I think if you've got only your own counsel going out, around in your head, you're really not going to get the perspective that you need and the direction uh, that you need because also you're going to need some emotional support on that. And you don't, you don't want to just go and dump that on your spouse and go home and blab kind of to him or to her and go, there it is, Armageddon's rolled up. You want an outside perspective. Um, we find ourselves for, there too often, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I, I think in pastoral successions, churches don't engage consultants enough to help them through those transitions. But I, I would think, you know, generally I reckon pastors don't engage their friends or their wise confidants enough when they're facing major transitions and major successions, especially on Armageddon turning up. I think that's, that's uh, get some help, get some advice, get some perspective on it. Because the truth is, um, you know, if we're trusting God, if we're praying, uh, if we've got that prayer going constantly that Jesus said to pray, pray for laborers in the harvest field, pray for laborers. And I think that should be, every pastor should be praying that two or three times a week. God, give me more laborers. Then somewhere along the line, the Lord's got someone there to step into that role, even if it is just for a few months to cover it. Absolutely, absolutely. So the next step you have is write a very good plan. And now, John, I can be honest, this is, a, this is where I struggle. This is hard for me. I have a lot yeah. of ideas in my head that don't yeah. often travel to the paper. And you say, you know, why do you put everything in writing? Why? People can't remember accurately. 
And it's like, yeah, absolutely. People can't remember accurately. So, you know, help me be better, John. What, how, yeah. do I, how do I write things down? How do I write a very good plan? Yeah. Well, I, I think if you're, if you're pastoring, say you're pastoring a church of 100, 150 people, and uh, to sit down with a piece of paper, just get a kind of blank, large piece of paper and put your flow chart on it. And you might already have that on your computer or whatever, but it's kind of good to play around, I think, with pen and paper. And put it there, and you've got pastor there, your role there, and then you've got your kids' leader, your worship leader, your small group leader, and you might have a youth leader as well, and, and so on. You've, you've got your key kind of roles there. Then underneath each of those roles, put the name of the person who you think, who you know, rather, is running it. Then under the name of that person, begin to put a whole nother strata down there of um, who's actually the second in charge here? Who's actually an apprentice? Do I have anyone who's getting trained in those roles? Now, you might look, you know, you've got a church of, say, 80 people. And you might think, man, I have enough trouble filling the main roles, let alone any apprentice or training role. But here's the here's the deal, I think, about putting things down on paper, putting things in writing. When you get it down on paper and you start to put it in front of you, and basically this is what I call a plan for a, a succession transition pipeline in your church. When you go, okay, I've got my kids leader, and Bill's now running the kids uh, area. That's fantastic. Who's helping Bill in there? Okay, I'll write down two or three three names of people who are helping. Okay, is there someone amongst those two or three who could be a 2IC? Well, Mary's a bit rough around the edges and she hasn't known Jesus too long, but she loves children. She's a teacher's aide, so she's kind of got the kids thing. Okay, I'm, I'm going to put her in my head. I'm going to write this down as she's a 2IC apprentice in that area. You do that in every key department of your church. And then you begin to think, and this is the beauty of a written plan, Johnny, is that you then begin to think, okay, what can I do when Bill goes to make Mary the leader? What can I do in training her, developing her, upskilling her, getting her ready for the next deal? Maybe there's a couple of great books. Actually, I know a couple of great books on kids' work. I'm going to start putting those through to her. Whenever I find a blog post on kids' work, I'm going to email it to her and say, hey, Mary, read this. This is great. I'm going to have Mary over to my house. We're going to have a barbecue with a few other leaders, and I'm going to kind of get her in the circle, and I'm just going to Really? What am I going to do? I'm going to disciple her. I'm going to raise her up. I'm going to get her into that place. Now, I think sometimes what goes on in most pastors' heads is they 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 fail to see the Marys. Sure. They don't see the Marys. And, you know, my, my conviction is, Johnny, they're there. And writing it down on a bit of paper helps you to see them, helps you to analyze them and kind of work out, hey, I, th I think there's potential and possibility here. But when we're just staring at a blank wall and going, oh, my goodness, you know, if Bill goes, I'm shot. What happens? <laughs> or Bill goes and wall. then you have no succession plan because Bill has walked out. And now, <laughs> Armageddon's back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And where, where we go now that, you know, Bill's walked out the door. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's sort of planning, writing things down. And then also, once you've got that bit on paper, then you go and talk to your other pastor friend, your wise confidence, say, hey, I'm working on this. You got any ideas on this? You got any thoughts on this? And you can kind of stimulate uh, the thought that, you know what, there's people out there. And I've been surprised again and again in our own church of seeing people uh, rise to a level of leadership and commitment that I didn't even have a clue was in them. Didn't have a clue, but you make space, you pray into it, you're prayerful about it, you're looking for it. 
Um, you focus on it. And a um, good friend of mine, Phil Pringles, says, what you focus on will grow. If you'll focus on training, developing two ICs, apprentices, um, then that will grow in your church. Now, just real quick, before we get to the mm. fourth one, you, you keep saying, saying two, two IC? Oh, second in charge. Okay, okay, second in charge. Okay. Sorry. That's an abbreviation. You got, I, I love it. Second it's, in charge. Now we're yeah. all talking the same language here, man, with the yeah. two ICs. <laughs> I'm speaking Australian. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> uh, your fourth thing uh, is manage your ego. Now, I assume you mean whoever is being transitioned needs to manage yep. their ego. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. you know, I had, a, I had a youth intern, and I was giving him – it wasn't a succession plan per se, but I was offloading yeah. a, a ton of responsibility onto him. Yeah. And it became yeah. very clear that the youth were responding to him and, and they liked him a lot more than they liked me. <laughs> and there was this moment where it was like, does this bother me? <laughs> Am I like hurt by the fact that he's got a little like they like him more than me? You got to manage yeah. your ego. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I think that's a great story, Johnny. And that's the <laughs> truth, isn't it? That suddenly we're raising someone up. Um, or it might be Bill starts to raise Mary up and Mary begins to shine in such a way that Bill starts to feel a bit threatened. You sure. And your, your role as a pastor is, is to really disciple Bill at that moment and say, hey, 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 come on, come on. What we're here to do is to get people to shine in their gifting and their ability and their talent to the very best way uh, that we can. So I, I think you kind of help helping build that and manage your ego, just like you're telling me, I mean, what you went through with that leader. And that, that's, you know, it's an interesting thing. It's a bit of a conundrum, really, that our longing is to see people rise to the fullness of what Christ has yeah. called them to and given to them. It's suddenly when they do, we kind of go, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> as long whoa. as their fullness is not greater than our fullness. <laughs> as long as they don't rise too high. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Yeah, that's tough. And I think that's where uh, even pastors um, kind of, you know, I, I know, look, Hillsong is well known around the world, and I know throughout the States and so on. But Brian Houston says about Darlene Check, you know, the worship leader who was there for many decades. He, he says, uh, you know, Darlene Check is better known than me. I'm the pastor of Hillsong, but Darlene's far better known than me. And he talked about having to manage his own ego uh, so that when people, you know, they would do Hillsong worship concerts around the world, Brian had preached, but he said everyone wanted to talk to Darlene afterwards, not sure. to Brian. <laughs> sure, absolutely. <laughs> Man, I've got to manage my ego. And he, and he said the truth is, um, and the typical Australian bluntness, Brian said the truth is not many pastors could cope with this. Um, because sure. we'd be threatened, we'd feel insecure. And so I, I think um, when people start to rise in our church and you might get a worship leader that starts to rise or everyone starts raving about Bill, the new kids leader, and wow, kids, the kids' church is just thriving under Bill. You can kind of feel happy about that in one way, but there's another way where you go, hang on, hang on a little minute. I'm not getting many mentions about my preaching, but yeah, Bill's kind exactly. of all the, all the stories going on on here. Facebook is just beaming with Bill's picture and the kids, and no one's talking up my sermon. What's happening? That's exactly. The sermon will always be the last thing talked up. Yeah. Believe that. <laughs> Believe that. <laughs> That's uh, true, man. I'm going to start posting under a false name that that sermon was fantastic. <laughs> Dude, just a little, oh, this guy likes me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe, 
Maybe some pastors do that. They set up kind of multiple face, uh, Facebook false identities. Oh, just man. An ego. See if, if that ever goes on, Johnny. Get other people to like like it and comment. Like, yeah, that was pretty good. That would be something else. That would be something. <laughs> I don't. Please don't do that, Pastor. That is not no, a no, piece of advice. Don't do that. No. Not a good move. No. Your last point. Well, you have, you have two. It's kind of funny. You said five, and then you have six. But your last yeah, no. major one is a successful succession is good shepherding. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, look, uh, this came out of an, uh, look, an, an experience we had in, the, in our pastoral succession, but extends way beyond just a pastoral succession. Uh, when we did our succession, um, we did two years, uh, sorry, a year behind the scenes training our next-gen leader. And then we had a leaders meeting where I, I announced to the leaders, look, Di and I are going to move on in 12 months and Jason and I are going to take the church. And as I stood there, and it was quite a surreal sort of night, bundles of leaders in our church, people have been with us for many years um i i just had this deep sense that a good succession that we were rolling out and acting was actually love in action we're actually shepherding our sheep to a new shepherd and i realized i had this uh, kind of aha moment where i thought dear me uh, if i mess this up i'm really going to damage sheep and i don't want to do that i've you know spent my life leading and loving sheep i don't want to damage uh, the lord's flock and i think whenever you handle a succession well either by seeding for it by setting up apprentices and second in charges and pipelines and so on uh, even by praying more regularly into this area of of up and coming leaders sharing with confidants all these aspects of a successful transition succession actually what you're doing is making sure that the flock of Jesus Jesus is looked after and cared for. You're really saying to people, I care enough about you to make sure we're giving a lot of thought to the next step um, leader uh, who's coming up through the ranks, whether <clears throat> excuse me, whether it be through youth or the small groups or whatever. I'm. This is actually an act of love in action. Absolutely. Uh, that, yeah, that I I think that's I think that's why my heart gets very burdened when I see churches. Either at a pastoral level or a volunteer level, when when succession is done poorly and haphazardly and you know uh, spontaneously, oh, we're just going to do this and off we do it, and and people get disillusioned, the, the trust gets broken, and they feel ambushed. And people um, will inevitably leave in a situation yeah. like that, yeah. and, and then you've yeah. lost your opportunity to to shepherd and yeah. to love those people anymore. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely. right. And and sometimes they. They find it difficult to then trust again uh, leaders who have been sloppy in their handling of these really important things. Absolutely. Now, the the last one you threw in, you say, just be kind to yourself. Successions yeah. are hard. They're hard. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. you know, go easy. on. Don't, don't beat yourself up, right, if this thing doesn't yep. happen exactly the way that you yep. dreamed it up. That's a hard yep. thing. You're dealing with people and emotions, and that's that's tough. Yeah, look, look, it is. And I, I've, I've been sitting here while we've been talking, and I'm 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 imagining pastors out there who are out for a walk and a jog, or driving in their car, and or you know sitting on a plane. They're listening to this podcast, and that they're thinking, "Oh man, this is a lot of hard work." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm almost as we're going along thinking, "Oh my goodness, this is this is sounding like tough work." And and the truth is, it is tough work. 
um, thinking transitions in, in your volunteer base in your church, thinking apprentices and second in charges, thinking all those things through. This this is demanding. This is demanding on you emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and even physically. So I, I'd say to pastors, be kind to yourself. Um, whenever you're doing transitions of key leaders, and if, if you've if you've got someone like I had who was kind of like needed a lot of seeding before I reap the harvest of them moving on, you know, that's that's going to be difficult because you're going to be the person initiating the seeding and the awkward conversation to say, I think it's time for you to kind of step up into another role or move out and let someone else take your place. So be kind to yourself in these deals. And look, they don't always go well, Johnny. You know, we, sure. we plan, we prepare, we put all the things into place and then, you know, some people just, um, we have an expression in Australia, some people throw a wobbly. Um, okay. which means they just kind of, they get the wobbles. They just start getting rattled and shaken by it all. And, you know, well, if you're going to treat me like that, I'm out of here. And they try a bit of emotional sure. blackmail and so on. And Things get that, wonky. That can happen. We say wonky, you know. Wonky. Okay. They can get wonky. Yeah, same sort of thing. <laughs> same yeah, thing, no, yeah, yeah. Familiar with that phrase too. So I, I think be kind to yourself, Pastor, as you lead uh, various members of your church through transition and succession. Be kind to yourself. But, but I think above that, the last principle holds true is, is you need to do transition moments in your church for the sake of your church. And don't so be so kind to yourself that you don't make the hard decisions that you need to make, that you're going to go, oh, well, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just cruise through this and, and leave that, you know, ineffective leader, tired leader, maybe even a toxic leader that I don't want to tackle, I'll just be kind to myself and leave them alone. I don't, I'm not talking about that kind of kindness. I, I think I think shepherding your flock well trumps that sort of kindness that you yeah. have to be courageous. Um, but in the process, look after yourself as well because it's demanding. This is demanding stuff. Yeah. Well, John, it was kind of you to hang out with, I want to say us, but I guess it's just me. It was kind of you to hang out with me. John, thanks so much for being on the podcast with us. Cool. My pleasure. Johnny, although I did not appear on this episode, you are correct. It is one of the top episodes that we've ever presented that, to our listeners. That's hard for you to admit because it's missing your beautiful baritone timbre. Well, it's but it's got John Finkeldy's Australian accent. It does. It really and does. That's really cool. John just you can tell that you can tell that he is so passionate about churches, so passionate about the way that churches operate and and being the healthiest church that that a church can be and so that bleeds out. I had a great time talking to John about all these uh different things and I can't wait for you guys to hear in the coming weeks uh the rest of those conversations that we were able to have. So I'm wondering, listeners, I am wondering how many of you ha could say, could raise your left hand and say, yes, I have left a review for the 200 Churches podcast on my iTunes app. Put both hands in the air. No, no, put them back. You're driving. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So iTunes ratings and reviews. Uh, let's get going now. Come on, you guys. Come on, you ladies. Let's get going to the iTunes ratings and reviews. If, indeed, you think there is any significant rating or review you could leave for the 200 Churches podcast now at around 120 episodes. 120? That's, that's... It's been fun. It has been fun. It, I, was, I was just thinking, we're so kind. I was thinking of all the, the names of podcasts that have so many ratings and reviews. 
And I'm like, those podcasts are garbage. I don't want to name any names, though. That would be terrible. But please leave us a rating. And well, a there, okay, so there's, there's some <laughs> podcasts that have that little red explicit box. Well, I'm not, I don't have those in mind. No, well, I'm just thinking of the ones that are just so over-the-top language-type stuff. And foolishness, you know, just kind of like the foolishness. Fool- it's yeah. just like I don't know, audio candy, just just to just to fill your mind, so that rot you your don't brain. have to, yeah, think yeah. about anything. And these things have got you know like six hundred reviews, and, and here we're sitting around with like fifty reviews. I was thinking more like you know, Jeff, you and I don't have name recognition, and I'm not, I, I'm, I don't even want to get too close to this line, but I'm just saying, you and I lack name recognition. We put the podcast. It's not called the Jeff and Johnny show, right? It's called the 200 Churches right. podcast. It's about 200 churches. I'm just saying there are some name recognition podcasts that I don't think are quite as good as our podcast who have a lot more ratings and reviews. Is this Sour Grapes? Maybe it is. Send us an email and tell me, Johnny, it's Sour Grapes. You need to watch your mouth. Right after you leave us a you know, rating and review. <laughs> What the next one's gonna be a two star, and it's gonna be from one of those name guys, and they're gonna be like, "How dare you talk bad about my podcast?" Hey, next week we have a we have a guy who hasn't been on our podcast for over a hundred episodes. That's incredible. He rejoins us. He is a small church pastor. He comes live in the studio with us, and it, it's a great combo. It it is. It's it's a great conversation with him that you are not gonna want to miss. But that's going to be next week, and we hope that you join us then on the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com and receive the guy's free PDF download called Our 7 Favorite Ministry Resources. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with another brand new shiny episode just for you. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 church.